Well, hello, and welcome to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark, and uh, glad you're joining us this time around on our podcast. We tend to focus on some somewhat narrowly defined elements of jazz history on each program, so we can sort of dig deeply in here, and also to uh, explore some recordings that may not be terribly well known. Today we're going to be listening to some recordings that were made for the Commodore label in the 1940s. Commodore was known as a Dixieland label, although it did quite a few other things as well. It was founded by uh, empresario and entrepreneur Milt Gabler, who also owned the Commodore Record Shop, which was a, uh, a focal point for uh, jazz aficionados in New York City in the late 30s. Uh, and he decided it was time to put together a record uh, label in about 1938 that would... Uh, record the hot music that he preferred to all other types of jazz, and most of it was centered, initially anyway, around Eddie Condon and the Chicago Players, Chicago Dixieland as it was called at the time, and uh, the first number of sessions were done by those groups, starting in January of 1938, uh, right around the same time as the Benny Goodman Carnegie Hall concert, and uh, so it was a parallel uh, style of jazz to swing, but used a lot of the same players. And as time went on, uh, Gabler also started recording swing players like Lester Young and Chu Berry and Billie Holiday and so forth. Even Benny Goodman himself appeared on one Commodore recording. But uh, Edmund Hall was a clarinet player who showed up on quite a few of the Commodore releases. In fact, he probably was on more Commodore recordings than any other clarinet player other than Pee Wee Russell, who was Gabler's favorite. Hall was born in New Orleans in 1901. He's an African-American. He was actually born just outside of New Orleans in a place called Reserve, Louisiana. He grew up in a musical family, uh, had a number of brothers, who most of whom played reed instruments, Robert and Clarence and Herb. Uh, they all played clarinets and saxophones uh, to greater or lesser degrees of fame and success. Edmund Hall was probably the best known, and Herb Hall came after him. Herb actually played clarinet in a lot of the uh, Dixieland groups in New York after Edmund Hall had left with the Louis Armstrong all-stars and then passed away. But Edmund Hall started playing in the 1910s. He played with some fairly famous players uh, in New Orleans, people like Buddy Petit and uh, uh, Earl Humphreys and different people like that. He also was a pretty well-schooled uh, musician. He read well. He started playing saxophone fairly early, so he was able to get jobs in dance bands. And he left New Orleans uh, permanently, or pretty much for good, in the early 1920s. He went to Florida and started playing gigs there. He uh, uh, played in the band of Eagle Eye Shields, which which also had uh, Cootie Williams on trumpet, and they toured around for a while, and then he and Williams joined uh, the band that was led by Alonzo Ross, and both of them made their first recordings with that group, the Deluxe Syncopators, in the late 1920s. After coming to New York, Hall started playing in several of the Harlem big bands, the best known of which was probably his longest association with such a group. From 1932 to 1935, he played in the saxophone section of the Claude Hopkins Big Band, which played at the Savoy and the uh, Roseland Ballrooms and also the Cotton Club. They made quite a few recordings for several companies and also did a couple of film shorts in the 1930s. And Hall played clarinet and alto sax and baritone sax. In fact, he was featured uh, quite a bit in different time, at different times on baritone sax. After he left that band, he joined several other big bands bands in, in, in sequence. Lucky Melinder's band, the Mills Blue Rhythm Band. He also played uh, in combos uh, on 52nd Street with Billy Hicks and uh, Frankie Newton. We've done some podcasts on many of 
these groups and heard Hall and, and different guises through there. By the early 1940s, he was playing with Teddy Wilson. Uh, Teddy Wilson had a, a small group, a, a six-piece group, that uh, played swing, and uh, Hall was his clarinet player, and he played with him for about two and a half, three years before Wilson went back to Benny Goodman. At that point, Hall started leading his own groups on 52nd Street, and they became kind of an, an amalgam of uh, traditional jazz, New Orleans-style jazz, and swing. He always thought of himself as a swing player, and in fact, Benny Goodman uh, said that uh, Hall was his favorite clarinet player at one point. Throughout the 1940s, he led different groups, and he played with some different bands as well. He ended up going with the Eddie Condon Band in the early late 40s, early 50s. He joined Louis Armstrong's All-Stars for a couple of years in the mid-50s, came back, played with Condon, did his own groups and so forth, relocated to Boston, uh, and played there for several years until he passed away in 1967. So we're going to be hearing some of these Commodore records that he made in the 1940s, and I'm going to focus on the ones that he did not lead. He led a couple of sessions with Teddy Wilson uh, in a quartet, which are fabulous sessions, and also uh, one with a, a band uh, that he was leading at the time, including Eddie Haywood on piano and uh, Vic Dickinson on trombone. But we're going to listen to Edmund Hall, the sideman on Commodore. Uh, and we're going to hear sides that he recorded with Wild Bill Davison's group, with uh, George Wetling's group, and with the DeParis brothers. So we're going to begin with a, uh, a session that, uh, we're going to go more or less chronologically actually, and we're going to hear a session that uh, Hall did with the Wild Bill Davison Commodores. Davison had uh, played in a lot of uh, traditional jazz groups uh, in the Chicago area, and he had just come to New York in 1943 and started leading dates. He did one, a uh, slightly earlier one, that had Pee Wee Russell on it. This is one from uh, November 30th of 1943 and features Wild Bill Davison on cornet, George Bruni's on trombone, Edmund Hall on clarinet, Gene Schrader on piano, Eddie Condon on guitar, Bob Casey on bass, and George Wetling on drums. These were all men who were playing in the various Dixieland clubs in uh, uh, on 52nd Street in Greenwich Village, what have you, at Nick's, um, soon to be Eddie Condon's, and uh, things like that. So we're going to hear four tunes, the four tunes from this session that your master takes. We're going to hear clarinet marmalade, and original Dixieland One Step, and at the Jazz Band Ball, all three of which were premiered by the original Dixieland Jazz Band in the late 1910s. These are real Dixieland staples, and they were beginning to be re-recorded at this point. And then we're going to end up with a Clarence Williams tune called Baby Won't You Please Come Home. Following that, we're going to have one tune uh, from the DeParis Brothers Orchestra. They recorded four sides on February 6th of 1944 for Commodore. Uh, we already played one of those, the Sheik of Araby, as part of our Clyde Hart podcast, and uh, invite you to go take a listen to that. We're going to hear, finishing off our first set, I Found a New Baby, and this features Sidney DeParis on trumpet, Wilbur DeParis on trombone, along with Hall, Clyde Hart on piano, Billy Taylor on bass, and Spex Powell on drums. So we'll hear some Dixie Dixieland and Swing mixed in here. This is Clarinet Marmalade, Original Dixieland One Step at the Jazz Band Ball, and Baby Won't You Please Come Home, done by Wild Bill Davison and his Commodores, and then the DeParis Brothers Orchestra, and I Found a New Baby.
So that was some pretty incredibly hot playing by Sidney DeParis and the uh, DeParis Brothers Jazz Band. Uh, he was really a, a remarkable trumpet player whose career went back to the 1920s, Charlie Johnson's orchestra. Uh, played with a lot of uh, swing and dance bands in the 1930s. He ended up playing with Benny Carter's band, I think, at about 1939 or 40, so he was a very good musician. And... Uh, he uh, was playing in small groups largely in the 1940s. He and his brother, Wilbur, who was not known as a great jazz soloist, but who was a very good band leader, uh, founded uh, Wilbur DeParis and his New New Orleans Jazz Band in the mid-50s. They started making records for Atlantic, which uh, had a lot of uh, influence on the next generation of traditional jazz uh, musicians. Most of them were college-age uh, white musicians who were just very enamored with this music. So also with this group, we heard... Um, uh, Clyde Hart on piano, as I mentioned. He was a uh, terrific, uh, very forward-looking pianist. He died about a year after these sessions were made um, in 1945, shortly after he had made the first couple of sessions with Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie. So he was a very, uh, or a pianist of very wide talents and abilities. So that was I Found a New Baby. We're going to hear two more tunes from that set to introduce our next session. But before we do that, let me tell you what else we heard. We heard Wild Bill Davison and his Commodores from November of 1943. Davison, as I mentioned, was uh, had just come in from Chicago. I think he actually had served in the Army before this, and he ended up in New York and became quite in demand as a lead player in Dixieland bands in New York from that point on. He lived up until, I think, into the well into the 1980s and... Uh, didn't really lose too much from his playing. He was a very powerful player, uh, in the middle range anyway. George Brunus was on trombone. He was from the very large family of musicians in New Orleans, uh, white musicians. Uh, Br George Brunus was a fairly liberal fellow, I guess, comparatively speaking. He didn't object to sharing the stage with African-American musicians, uh, which his brothers did, and uh, that's documented in some places. He had played uh, with the New Orleans Rhythm Kings in Chicago in the early 1920s, then had gone on the road in the later 1920s with Ted Lewis and his band, stayed with him for about 10 years before coming back to New York and doing quite a few um, uh, small group sessions and small group things on 52nd Street and so forth. We heard Edmund Hall do a marvelous job on the first tune, Clarinet Marmalade. That was his feature with the Louis Armstrong All-Stars during the time he was with them, although he played it uh, just with the rhythm section, no trumpet and trombone. It became quite a tour de force for him. And then we had the Eddie Condon rhythm section, essentially. Gene Schreider on piano, Eddie Condon on guitar, Bob Casey on bass, and George Wetling on drums. And Wetling will be the leader of the next session that we talk about. But before we do that, the two tunes that we're going to start out with, the DeParis Brothers tunes, are the Change O' Key Boogie, which, uh, of course, feature um, Clyde Hart on piano, and uh, we'll end up with What Did I Do to Be So Black and Blue from Connie's Hot Chocolates of 1929, a great tune by Fats Waller and Andy Razaf that was premiered by Edith Wilson in that show and became uh, much more associated with Louis Armstrong and other people as well. But this is a great performance by the DeParis Brothers. From there, we're going to go on to George Wetling and his Rhythm Kings, and we're going to hear three tunes to begin with, Heebie Jeebies, Strutting with Some Barbecue, and How Come You Do Me Like You Do. And these feature a kind of a cross between swing and uh, Dixieland style. We have Billy Butterfield and Trumpet. He had been with the Bob Crosby Band and Benny Goodman, different groups like that. He was playing, I think, in the studios for shows in July. Made These tunes, I should say. He sounds better as a session's own. 
and clarinet. David played with uh, the Bud Freeman Summa Cum Laude Band in the late 30s. Bob Haggart, another uh, alum of the Bob Crosby Band on bass, and George Welling on drums. So those are the three tunes that we will hear after Change a Key Boogie and What Did I Do to Be So Black and Blue, Heebie Jeebies, Strutting with Some Barbecue, and How Come You Do Me Like You Do.
bluesy performance for you. How come you do me like you do? Uh, I can think of a recording about 10 years later on which two of the participants on this recording were were uh, involved. Uh, the Eddie Condon Jam Session album on Columbia had Billy Butterfield and Edmund Hall along with a, a double band going back and forth in a real jam session, and that had a great version of this tune that featured Hall as well. So that was George Wetling and his Rhythm Kings from July 21st, 1944. We heard How Come You Do Me Like You Do, preceded by Struttin' With Some Barbecue, and preceded by Heebie Jeebies, two Louis Armstrong tunes. And that featured Billy Butterfield on trumpet, Wilbur DeParis doing some very good jazz playing, which, as I said, he was not really noted as being a great jazz player, but uh, not having the mantle of leadership may have freed him up a little bit, and he certainly played well on this date on trombone. Dave Bowman on piano, Bob Haggard on bass, and George Wetling on drums, and of course, Edmund Hall on clarinet. We started out with the remaining two uh, sides from the DeParis Brothers Orchestra, Change a Key Boogie and What Did I Do to Be So Black and Blue? And Change a Key Boogie, of course, featured a lot of piano by Clyde Hart. Uh, Black and Blue had some excellent uh, brass playing by both Sidney DeParis and Wilbur DeParis, but really an exceptionally good clarinet solo by Edmund Hall, and we are talking about Edmund Hall today. These Commodore recordings were ones that I learned from some um, brown label uh, Commodore uh, records, LPs that were issued in the 1980s that had uh, alternate takes as well. Each side of the record was one session, so it was eight sides, uh, the master take and one alternate. Sometimes it was more than one alternate available, as we found out later, but uh, those and uh, uh, the ones uh, that uh, had Muggsy Spanier and uh, some of the other Wild Bill Davidson sides were uh, very formative in my experience as well. So we're going to do the last tune from the George Wetling session, Blues for Stew. And this is a, uh, uh, a nice slow blues for you. And uh, we are going to go from there to another Wild Bill Davison and his Commodore session from January 22nd of 1945, featuring a slightly different band than the first one we heard. Wild Bill, of course, and Edmund Hall. Gene Schreider on piano, Eddie Condon on guitar, Bob Casey on bass are holdovers from the first session, but in this band we're also going to hear Danny Alvin on drums. Danny Alvin was an interesting guy. I think he was touring as a, as a boy uh, with Sophie Tucker's band. Uh, he was a vaudeville drummer, but he also did some good jazz as well. And Vernon Brown on trombone. Vernon Brown um, had been in the uh, Benny Goodman band uh, in some of its earlier recordings, on some of its earlier recordings. He was a very good jazz trombone player in the Jack T garden style. So we're going to hear four tunes from this session. We're going to hear a Monday date. Then we're going to hear uh, Big Butter and Eggman, two Louis Armstrong tunes from slightly different periods. I wish I could shimmy like my sister Kate. Actually, we're going to end up with that one. That was a tune that Louis Armstrong said he wrote, but was claimed by Clarence Williams. Um, before that, we're going to hear a sort of a Louis Armstrong feature, but here a feature for a while, Bill Davison, on I'm Confessing That I Love You. So those are our four, our two, five tunes in this case. Blues for Stew, Monday Date, Big Butter and Egg Man, I'm Confessing, and Sister Kate.
There was some very vigorous, high-octane Dixieland playing in there. But we started out with a slow blues, the Blues for Stu, by, uh, done by George Wetling and his Rhythm Kings. And Stu, in this case, I believe, was Stuart Davis, the modernist American painter. Uh, his painting uh, work was influenced by jazz. He was a big jazz fan, and he and Wetling were very good friends. In fact, uh, one of the sources says that they traded lessons. Wetling showed him drums, and uh, Stuart Davis taught Wetling painting. And indeed, Wetling became a pretty accomplished painter in his own right, in the style of Stuart Davis. So quite a bit of back and forth there. Davis had also just started a long work uh, called The Mellow Pad in early 1945, right around the time this was... Um, well, a little after this recording session, you might have been thinking about it at the time. July 21st, 1944 was this session. The Blues for Stew, featuring Billy Butterfield, Wilbur DeParis, Edmund Hall, Dave Bowman, Bob Haggard, and George Wetling. Then we went to uh, a real high-octane session, as it were. While Bill Davison and his Commodores, we heard our Monday date, followed by Big Butter and Eggman, two Louis Armstrong tunes, featuring Bill Davison, Vernon Brown doing some very fine work on trombone. He had uh, recorded with a number of uh, big mans in the, in the 30s and also did some fine small group sessions with George Hartman and uh, uh, Sidney Bechet and Art Hodes and uh, different people. Very good trombone player. Along with Edmund Hall, of course, doing his usual biting style there. Gene Schreider on piano, Eddie Condon on guitar, Bob Casey on bass, and Danny Alvin on drums. And as I said, we started with Monday Date and went to Big Butter and Eggman, then a Bill Davison feature on I'm Confessing That I Love You, and we finished up with Sister Kate. I wish I could shimmy like my Sister Kate. Credited to Clarence Williams and Armand Perone, although both Louis Armstrong and Kid Ory claimed to have written the song before that. Um, it was perhaps taken from a kind of a dirty tune called Keep Off Katie's Head, which one or more of them may have written at some point, but it was published as Sister Kate. So we hope you've enjoyed this program. You've been listening to The Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark, and uh, very happy to be with you again and again and again, if it comes to that. Uh, we've been listening to a lot of very interesting jazz over the course of the last year or so, and have lots more to go. If you'd like to be a sponsor, please do so. Uh, hit that little button, sponsor us on uh, a one-time basis or on a monthly uh, sustaining basis, and uh, we'll express our appreciation. And if you would like to express any questions, please get in touch with me through my social media. My band name is The Wolverine Jazz Band, so wolverinejazzband.com or Wolverine Jazz Band on Facebook or Instagram, possibly a YouTube channel coming up soon. So thank you again, and until I see you on these airwaves later, I'll see you on the other side. <laughs>